Hey, buddy, it's good to see you, but it looks like you're in a guest room somewhere. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually in my studio. This is my my little home studio. It just happens to look different because there's now a bed behind me and a quilt on the wall. And Oh, so your home studio is your guest room in your house. Yeah, isn't that where everybody's home studio is? Uh, <laughs> maybe, but here all along you had me fooled. You had me thinking that in your home you had a room dedicated just to recording this podcast. And I was all impressed. And now I realize it was just a facade. It's just a facade. Well, no, technically this was a room that was dedicated to recording my podcast. It just also happened to be the guest room. But also we've not had any house guests for three years. And then this year, my mom came up for Christmas. My mother-in-law came up last week. And so we had to actually turn the guest room back into a guest room. <laughs> and just to be clear, you're not actually sitting on the bed while we report this year. I'm not it's actually sitting on the bed. In okay, fact, good, good. in fact, I, I am maybe two feet closer to the window than where I usually am. I just usually have a backdrop set up and, you know, all of that. It's all it's all fake, man. It's, it's all, all fake. It's all it's all movie magic. And that's what I want to talk about today is just how fake How fake is. I am? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a uh, intervention, Jeff. I want to talk about imposter syndrome. And oh, yes. I, I've been thinking about this ever since we recorded our last episode with Julian Cost. And she told us before we recorded that she felt like an imposter and that she had imposter syndrome. And it would kind of bowled me over because I think, wow, if Julianne Koss has imposter syndrome, then we all should have imposter syndrome because compared to her, we're all just barely getting by. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It's funny. I just sort of assume that imposter syndrome is a default state, right? Mm, yeah. And, and, and maybe that's part of my imposter syndrome. But it is surprising how many people you run into who seem to be, for lack of a better term, confident, put together, successful. We tend to, you know, really associate success with, um, you know, the, the opposite of imposter syndrome because you're not an imposter. Like you've made it. Yeah. And yet I think almost all of them are, you know, they – they get worried. They get insecure. They don't know if their next job is going to be terrible or not, even mm -hmm. if they've done amazing things. Yeah. And so it's kind of comforting that everybody sort of feels like an imposter. And then it also makes you wonder, like the people who don't seem like they have some sort of imposter syndrome, like are they just overcompensating? Are they lying? Mm. Are they – like being being overly confident to the point of – to the point of of being like obnoxious about it, yeah. I I'm really turned off by people who are overconfident. I <laughs> because I do like you. I believe that everybody feels like an imposter, especially creative people, artists, and and people who are putting themselves out there. I think oftentimes we feel like we really want people to accept us. We want people to appreciate us, but they probably don't. So we need to <laughs> guard ourselves right and protect ourselves a little bit. And I I really 
I've been hearing the term a lot. And so it makes me think that a lot of people feel like they're imposters. And I just finished a class a couple weeks ago with new photographers. These are people who are learning digital photography. And there was a lot of conversation about a lack of confidence in their work and a lack of confidence in their, in their photographs. And I was like, wow, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years as a professional for over 30 years now. And I just don't like my work. I just have no confidence <laughs> in it. And when somebody comes and asks me for, uh, for photos to do it for a job or something, I, I'm always, I always kind of undercut myself a little bit. And I always kind of undersell myself. And I'm definitely not out there publicizing my work and, and trying to sell a lot of stuff because I don't think I would be good at it because I'm not somebody who thinks it's that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, buddy, let me just tell you right now that I also don't think it's that great. So no, 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 oh, wait, wait, go. no, no, there that's the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to break this down a little bit because I think it's an important part of any creative person's kind of work life is figuring out how to keep going when mm -hmm. you don't think it's worth it. Right. When you don't yeah. think that the work that you're producing is, is, is good enough. And if we all feel like we're not good enough, maybe we all can agree to just be nice to each other and gracious and, and nice to ourselves and be gracious. But it's so hard because I go on social media, Jeff. I'm, I'm like you. I have my iPad. I spend some time every day looking at Instagram and looking at other uh, social media sites that have lots and lots of photos. And I scroll through and I look at all these amazing photographs. And I have access on a daily basis to thousands and thousands of amazing images that are much better than anything I've taken lately. <laughs> so it not it it should be inspiring but it's sometimes it's absolutely the opposite of inspiring and i think back to before we had social media before the internet right to appreciate photographs from other people you had to buy a magazine or a book right. uh, or go to a gallery and look and so you maybe had access to a couple hundred images by other photographers uh at a time at at most uh, and it certainly wasn't every day. It's not like I went out every day and got a photo magazine or went out every day to a gallery. So I wasn't comparing my work against other people on a minute by minute basis. And I think that's, yeah. that, that made a big difference. Well, actually let's, I want to break this down a little bit, right? Like there's a lot of what you said that I think is great that needs a little more probing. So one is the issue of quality versus quantity because I think quantity is making a huge difference because you can see a lot of, of really good stuff. But I think what's also key to that is you're seeing stuff that is being produced at, at a much higher clip. Mm -hmm. So, so let's look back at the, like, like the photo magazines and uh, advertisements and things like that. Sure. I don't think we ever really compared ourselves to, to a lot of that because it was stuff that has been highly curated. I mean, it's gone through you know, multiple levels of editorial. You have you know, magazine photo editors who, you mm -hmm. know, like they've seen it all. And so th the stuff that you're going to see in most magazines is – probably going to be pretty top notch and, and you'd have like a select number of those things. So you could look at that and you can aspire to it and you could, you know, find out where they took this shot and maybe you could go to that location. Sure. Now, like you said, 
we go to Instagram and not only do we see a lot of a lot of images and we see a lot of good images, but it reinforces this idea that these people that I'm following are going out every day and they're making fabulous shots. You know, every time they step out of the door, they are finding an amazing sunset yeah. and, you know, like it's reinforcing not only just that there's a lot of good work out there, but that it's effortless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, like that's all highly curated too, but it, it's curated by the person. And these could have been things that they shot over the last six months and they're dribbling them out and they probably have a plan for doing that. And that's great. But the impression, at least, you know, coming from somebody like me who is more prone to uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Makes me think, oh, they are getting out of bed and they are picking up their camera and they're not even looking and they're taking these brilliant shots. Whereas the last time I took some photos, I had a hard time and the weather wasn't great and I didn't feel like my settings were off and I wasn't really inspired. And, you know, all of these things that are very typical of a photo experience yeah, just makes it hard to – not hard to compare, but makes it difficult because I am comparing, right? Yeah. So let's let's take a run at it this way because I, I totally feel what you're saying. <laughs> you know, it completely uh, syncs with, what, with my experience. Um, Thank you, everybody, for coming to our therapy, therapy yes, podcast. Yes. <laughs> very helpful for us. I see every image I take. I'm the only one that sees every image I take. That's and a huge part. I get to kill all the the runts <laughs> in the litter, right? <laughs> I get to call out all that's really gross, but I get to call out all of the photos <laughs> that should not see the litter. Terrible and metaphor. I know. <laughs> Sorry, from go ahead. the from the photos that I keep, mm-hmm. then I get to go select maybe one percent that maybe could see the light of day. To go back to what you said about magazines and things and the, oh, this quality versus quantity thing is a really good way to think of this. I was, I've been published in some pretty big publications. I've been published in Esquire magazine and what? Newsweek and New York times. I've done work for New York times. I've done okay, work for yeah, Wall yeah. Street Journal back when I was 23, 24 years old and I was a photojournalist and I was in the right place at the right time to get photos that had value. I had no idea how to take good photos back then, but I was out there taking photos Yeah, and I was in the right place at the right time. And I'd get these calls and they'd say, Hey, we want that photo for this, for, for our next issue. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm published. I'm published all over. And it was really easy for me to kind of ride that success. Right. And kind of get it, get pumped up on that success. 30 years later, here I am <laughs> a much better photographer. And I, I oftentimes have, I actually have literal dreams where I am, back in a younger body doing photojournalism, but I have the knowledge that I have now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I do it this way and I do it this way. And I would, you know, take that angle and take this. And I, I, I crave the idea that I could have those opportunities again. But the truth is it wasn't that I was a great photographer. It was that I was a photographer in the, in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And that means quantity. That means being out there shooting every day. And when I was a photojournalist, I shot every day full time. Over and over and over every single day. Uh, I don't do that anymore. You know, my you know work is different now, and mm-hmm. it's really interesting to to kind of step out of my mind and think about okay, if I see a cool photo that's in a magazine, 
And I say, that photographer must be really amazing. I don't know how many thousands and thousands of images they've made that are total garbage. Yeah. (laughs) I I could call down my 280,000 digital photo library to maybe 25 photos that are really amazing. And if all I did, if all I showed people were those photos, they say, oh, you're an amazing photographer. I'm like, oh, you should see the other 275,000 <laughs> that didn't work. So yeah, this quality and quantity thing and the perception that we have from social media that everybody's out there banging out awesome photos every single day, except for us, yeah, just feeds this imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's, well, <laughs> it's crazy. I, okay. I, I want to touch on two things there. One it's also important to remember that you know, for those those shots in the magazines and stuff, some of those shots, you have somebody who has been, you know, like let's say uh, nature photographers, landscape photographers, uh, wildlife photographers. They could have been sitting there for a week and a half with nothing, like shooting garbage, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, having the experience and the – the the coincidence of what they were looking for, maybe the pride of lions just doesn't come by today, or maybe they're yeah. not doing anything interesting. And that feeds into the same idea of having lots and lots and lots of shots that they see that nobody else does. Right. Um, but another thing that you said that I think is is really important, and you just sort of tossed it in there casually, you said lately, you're looking at, at, at images and and comparing them to what you've shot lately right. and how that sense of time, because I actually feel the same thing, too. And I don't know, maybe if it's just because of it being winter, maybe because, um, you know, both of us, we've been super busy with other sort of work things. Yeah. I've been out a couple of times with a camera with that thought of, you know, I, I, I should really put some more focus into this and go make some good shots and actually do the thing that I advise people to do when they're feeling like they're in a rut, like shoot more, shoot more, shoot more. And yet it, it just seems like it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it's and so, so hard. like that also feeds into the imposter syndrome, because, again, my brain is saying, look, Joe McNally goes out there every single day and he, you know, he crushes shoots. it. He, yeah. you know, he, he, he crushes it. He's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. If you read his book and we'll put a link to the episode where we talk to him and, and absolutely read his, his new book. He has stories in there about how he would go somewhere and it just didn't work out or he right. had to improvise. And I think like, I wouldn't presume to know if Joe has imposter syndrome I would say because he is a a good guy and a humble guy, I would Mm -hmm. guess that he probably does. But I would also guess that he has reached a level of experience, maybe not necessarily a level of success, although he's wildly successful. But in in terms of imposter syndrome, he's, he's reached a level of experience where he has the confidence to take on any kind of situation. Because he's had a lot of those times when something's gone wrong and. And he's made it work. Well, that's the mark of a master and a a professional. But I would also say, I think Joe McNally, to use him as as a great example, Joe McNally's learned how not to listen to that voice in his head that tells him to stay home. Yeah. And how he goes out and does the work. And that comes from just grinding away day after day after day. And I don't have to do that. 
right? Neither yeah. of us, of the, the <laughs> two of us. I mean, you have to grind away day after day in, in writing books and you're working on this massive book project right now. And, <laughs> and I've got all these other projects I'm doing and there's times where I'll be out with my kids doing something and the sunset's just going off. And I'm like, that's a gorgeous sunset. I wish I was somewhere to take a photo of that with my camera gear and not doing what I'm doing right now, which is pushing a shopping cart to the car yeah. <laughs> from the store or something like that. And it just really, that work ethic is so much a part of, of building the confidence mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I'm going to get the shot because it's what I have to do. Yeah. Um, I really do get frustrated with certain photographers that I follow on social media that are, that are near me, you know, Pacific Northwest photographers. And I'll see a great sunset going off and I'm like, I just know they're out there shooting it because that's all they do. They chase the good light and they have that freedom. They have that time. Yeah. And I'm resentful of them because it's like, you know, if I could do that, I would also be getting those kicking shots. Right. But I don't get to go get those kicking shots. And when I have a free evening to go out, it's cloudy <laughs> or whatever. And it's easy for me to get kind of, especially this time of year, Jeff, I tell you, it's easy for me to be kind of, well, that was a great sunset. Who knows when the next one's going to happen? And I'm sure not going to be ready for it. You know, yeah, and yeah. I get really down on myself photographically. And it's, it's hard to pick up the camera. I, uh, this is talk about confession time. Uh, I bought a new camera in December, Jeff. I think I've maybe shot 30 frames with it. Wow. And it's February now. You know, we're recording this on February 1st. And I have this brand new camera that I can't wait to use. It's just been not accessible to me. It's like, well, I, when am I going to go do that? Yeah. Thankfully, I have an event on Friday I'm going to go photograph. It's like <laughs> I'm going to finally get out and, you know, I block this time out in my calendar. I'm going to go out and photograph something. And with this new camera, but I, I realized the other day, I'm like, wait a second, I've had this camera for weeks and weeks and it's just been fully charged, ready to go, sitting in the closet, mm -hmm. quietly waiting for me to get the, get my shit together and, go, and grab it and go out and take some photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let, let's talk about confidence for a minute because, um, again, like a, a little bit of a confession time at one point. I remember I wanted to write an essay about confidence because – and this is going to sound silly, so uh, be, be prepared because oh, yeah, I was right. feeling very confident. I I believe that I had just given a really good talk at Macworld Expo, so this mm -hmm. was a while ago, and just like the, the high of – of having a really good talk and having an audience that's engaged and the content was good and just how that boosted my confidence and how I had confidence going into it because of something else that I had done before that. And then having that, that confidence kind of push you to the next, mm. to the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, again, going back to, to Joe McNally, he had yeah. that great quote about, you know, getting a really great shot will feed you until you get to the next one, right? Yeah. It feel, I think the quote was, it fills your sails or something like that. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great quote. Yeah. Something much, much better than, than the way I just mangled it. <laughs> <laughs> then there were things that, that happened after that, professional things where my confidence was kind of knocked down. Like yeah. nothing, nothing terrible, but, you know, uh, deadlines that slipped or maybe uh, Macworld Expo ended. So that limited the opportunities I had for public speaking. Mm -hmm. And so like the confidence kind of 
ebbed and flagged. And so now it's a lot more up and down. And part of this is that whole idea of fake it till you make it, right. like projecting confidence. And although we're both annoyed by people who are overconfident, I think there's definitely something there in terms of being a little more confident than you probably are. And that can that can oftentimes get you through, say, a difficult photo shoot or mm-hmm. you know, something. But get you out the door to try. It gets you out the door. Yeah. 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 yeah I really I think you I think we found the nugget here, right? This is the <laughs> this is what we've been mining for this whole time is that Confidence is the feeling that we have when we believe that we have worth, that we, that our work has, is worth our, our effort and that people are actually going to, you know, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And that gets you going. And that comes from success that you hang on to. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this because, uh, we've all heard and read that for every compliment you get, you could get, I think it's seven compliments are equal one criticism, right? That we hear criticism seven times more powerfully than we hear uh, oh. compliments. Does that make sense? Articulate, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, to yeah. articulate that well. <laughs> and so when we have a success, it's really easy to forget about that success because there, there won't always be successes. But if you can hang on to it and let that – maybe not empower you. Maybe that's too strong of a word. But at least keep your head up a little bit. And keep trying to get to the next success. And then the successes are oftentimes uh, self-described, right? So I will feel successful if I do this. I will feel successful if I get this many likes or, you know, however you quantify your success, maybe adjusting that rubric so that you're more successful more often. And so I've been trying to work on that lately. I've been saying, okay, if I can get these things done today, it will be a good day. Mm-hmm. And maybe before it would have been 12 things and now it's eight and I feel successful at eight. Whereas before it was like, no, it's got to be 12 or I'm a failure. <laughs> um, I think that we can do that. We can readjust our, our expectations and go out and grab a success whenever we, whenever we can. Uh, and then let that empower us to keep going and try and try and try again. Yeah. Because if you keep going out and taking photographs, you're going to make better photographs. And we, we, we've said this so many times on this podcast that the practice of photography is a practice and you have to go out and do it over and over. And even if the photos aren't keepable, I was going to say, great. I'm just going to say, even if the photos weren't keepable, it was still a good effort. It was still yeah. a good, a good thing to do. Yeah. And I'm going back to this class I just finished. One of the things I said to my students was get into the idea of taking photographs for the process of making photographs, not for the photos themselves. Not for the shares or the likes or the Instagram moments, but for the experience of being out in the world, maybe with other people, maybe on your own, depending on what type of photography appeals to you, going out and doing that and feeding your soul with that that effort is in itself enough to make it worthwhile and make it successful, even if you don't have great photos from that that experience. Yeah. Um, and so I need to practice more of what I preach. <laughs> I need to get well, out and make some more photos. Well, it, that's just it. I mean, it's also a numbers game. The more photos that you take, the more chances that you that one of those will be a good, better, great photo, right? Yeah. And well, it's the Wayne Gretzky quote, right? Um, 
you, you never make the shots you don't take. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. referring to hockey, right? But right. it works. And so – and it also builds on itself because the more photos you take, the more you learn how to shoot, the more you see what you're drawn to, the more you determine which images work better for you. I mean it's a strange thing. It's a positively reinforcing act, but the hardest thing is to actually get out and and do it. And so mm-hmm. – you know, again, there have been times, you and I both, when we have not wanted to go out. Oh, yeah. And we have gone out and actually it's been good, right? Mm-hmm. So another thing that I want to bring up is I'm not even really sure how to do it, but trying to quell that self-editor mm-hmm. because part of – this imposter syndrome, I think, is also – it's not just confidence, but it's also expectations. And sometimes that's circumstantial. And I'm going to use the the fall color trip that we took in yeah. October as an example, at least with us. And, you know, sorry that this is so us-focused. I did not have a whole lot of opportunity to go out and shoot fall color. And so when you and I made the set aside this weekend to go do it, and we kind of figured that the color would be good, that, you know, based on the timing and the estimates of the tree colors and all of that, that, that it would be, you know, promising. Mm-hmm. But the reality mm-hmm. was that was the only weekend that you and I had available period. So yeah. whether it was going to be promising <laughs> or not, we had to just make do. We were going to go for it. Yeah, exactly. And I have to say, although I thoroughly enjoyed my weekend with you and I enjoyed shooting, I did not enjoy making pictures because the whole weekend, I just thought that everything was, was muted and my expectations were a lot higher than what I was getting. And and that's even before we take into account the fact that the color was was really late this year. There was a lot of wildfire smoke, like yeah. lots of environmental things that that were out of our control. Yeah. Okay. All that said, I've gone through my photos. Part of me working on this Lightroom book has been going through a lot of my images. Mm. And I'm actually using a lot of the images from that weekend oh, cool. in the book. It, to my surprise, I'm realizing that, no, actually, there are quite a few shots that I consider good enough to put in a book. And I look back on it now and I think, you know what? Like photographically speaking, that did end up being a good weekend. Yeah. At the oh, time, cool. at the time, I was like, oh, this is just this is a great time with my friend and you know, we we'll just took, keep it at that. Yeah. We took your yeah. camper van and that was yeah. fine. Yeah. And maybe we made some pictures and yet I did end up with a lot of good pictures that I really like. And so some of this is getting over yourself and having some of the confidence. So we've got expectations on one hand and then some of the, the, the confidence that even if I'm, out there not enjoying myself or not thinking that I'm making – thinking that that I'm not meeting my expectations. Right, right. That I have some confidence in that the stuff that I do may turn out okay. And oftentimes yeah. that's enough. Yeah. 
And then sometimes I will end up, you know, going back through and realizing, oh, this is actually a really great shot with some yeah. editing, with, you know, whatever you have to do to it. Right. Um, the, the, the same with my, my trip to Europe this year. There were many times when I just felt skunked. <laughs> yeah. And yet I found a few shots that have worked out really well. That's great. So I don't know. Getting over yourself is a tough thing to do. But just just that helps me look ahead to this year and realize, all right, sometimes if I'm not really feeling into it, I need to just quell that voice for a minute and remember that I am capable of doing this. Yeah. Even if I don't feel like it. Yeah. To hammer on the same nail, just go out and do it. Yeah. You're not going to take good photos if you stay at home and look at Instagram. So I, that leads me to that. When you're t talking, Jeff, it made me think of this. I spend so much time looking at other people's work. I don't, I don't like looking back through my catalog. But when I do look back through my catalog, I always find things that I'm like, oh, wow, that was not so bad. <laughs> how, how did I forget that one? Um, yeah, and yeah. there's there's so many photos that I've forgotten about that I that I really like. Was I, I there that day? Yeah. Like, <laughs> who took this? Who put this in my catalog? And yeah. so maybe a good practice when we're feeling down is not to look at other people's work and how awesome they're killing it. <laughs> and go back and look at how awesome we killed it. Yes. When we went out, because we do have this filter that we put on. Uh, most of us. You know, there's I think there are some people out there that don't have this, but but I think most people have a filter that we put on that our stuff just isn't as good. And so that's how we see our stuff. And if you stop for a second and you say, just be quiet and go look at the photos and try to be objective about it and look at them and be like, and pick one and work on it. You know, pick one in Lightroom and process it and share it and enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the fact that you put an effort on something and you're proud of it and embrace that. Even if you can't go out, the weather isn't great or your schedule is too tight, you can't go mm -hmm. out and do that. You can take 10 minutes and just scroll through your library and find something. You know, I do this um, spin the wheel, kind of a roulette game with Lightroom where I take the slider, you know, on the little handle on the side and I mm -hmm. whip it down into my library. Right. So the newest stuff's at the top, the old stuff's at the bottom and yeah. I just whip it down to the library and they say, I have to pick a frame out of the window where it stops. Right. So when it stops scrolling, I have to pick a frame out of that window to process. Nice. And it's just a game, you know, let's just see what I, what I find. And I always get to that window and I go, Oh, I wonder I'll scroll down a little bit more, scroll up just a little bit more, but I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to find a gem. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a really good exercise to boost your confidence and to boost your your desire to get out and make good photos um, without taking up a whole day doing it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so all of us can find those those moments to do that, even yeah. if we're trying to finish a big book. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this is actually one reason why I advocate for rating photos the way I do. Um, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I've been pretty consistent. I use a star rating system and, you know, people have their own systems. But in short, basically, as I'm going through my photos, I will flag something two stars that looks promising or three stars. After I've edited it, things are typically three stars. And and I figure those, those are good. Those are like publishable. Mm -hmm. uh, four stars are ones that have been edited that I think are better than three stars. I know that sounds ridiculous, but, you know. <laughs> so four is better than three? Oh, okay. Four is better than three. And then for something that is just like really stands out, I will set it as a five star. 
Okay. Okay. So uh, fine. Good for me. Uh, I know how to use stars. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like in preschool. Yay, stars. But However. It's, it, but it's a, it's a hard process to do that. It's a hard process to do that. But also uh, it's very easy to filter those. And so mm. sometimes when you're just feeling like you are a garbage photographer and this will happen and this has happened, pulling up those five-star images or those four-star images so that all you see in your library is just the stuff that you think is I good. I like this. I like, like this. Well, as you were saying before, it's a dopamine boost, right? Yeah. Yep. There's a little bit of that sense of, okay, you know, these photos – they are good. And I yeah. made these. I made these. And yeah. I edited these. And so I could do this again. I just have to put myself in the right circumstances. I have to actually get out and do it. So Gosh, I really like this. I really like this idea, Jeff. I'm not a good star rater on my Lightroom catalog, but I do a similar thing in that every year I make a collection of my favorite photos from the year. That's a good idea. And I sometimes will go back and look at those like, I need to process that one or I need to work on that one. But it always feels good to look at that collection and be like, wow, that was a good year. Mm -hmm. I hope I didn't cut you off too much, but I want to, I want to finish on this idea yeah, yeah. that when we spend a lot of time obsessing about other people's work, it does not help us get out and make our, our best work. Mm -hmm. If everyone is suffering from a little bit of imposter syndrome, is almost always going to help to take an objective look at your, your best work. And stop for a second and say, you made that. Even if you don't share those images, even if you have nobody else telling you that, it's you have to be the one saying, I'm proud of that. Every time I do that process, it feels healthy. It feels it feels good to do that because I spend a lot of time, you know, going, man, that's that's crap and that's crap and seeing nothing but the, the dogs, right? Yeah. I also want to throw this out here and I hope that I'm not going to just sabotage everything that we've said. <laughs> it's always that risk. <laughs> it's always that risk. Well, well, no, I'm going to sound like a big jerk for a second because there's also the flip side to being exposed to so many images on Instagram mm. or whatever. I mean this in the in in, in the the most positive way. Sometimes you're going to run into stuff that people are th are going to say that is amazing, and you're going to look at it and say. I have 50 photos that are better than that. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times when I've seen, you know, works from acclaimed photographers. I think I can mostly objectively say I could produce something of that quality. Yeah. Now, I wasn't there at that time, et cetera. You know, if we were standing side by side, who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's, there's also that little bit of dopamine boost being able to say, yeah, that's an okay shot. But it's not how I would have framed it. Right. Without sort of verging into the, that, that narcissistic, well, everybody else is crap and therefore, right. you know, I could have taken a much better shot if only I had a, you know, $7,000 <laughs> Sony A1 camera and a helicopter and, you know, like all that, yep. all that crap that, that, that's all around it. But there are times when the, there are a, f a few people that I follow on YouTube, for example, I think their photos are just peachy. I don't think they're great. I mm -hmm. think their YouTube videos are great. Yeah. I think what they have to say are great. But the photos they come up with are like they're OK. They're yeah. fine. And so sometimes it helps to be able to go, 
this person has a lot of acclaim or they have a lot of followers or they have a lot of likes or maybe they make a lot of money, but their photos are just okay. Yeah. To be able to look at somebody who is, who is successful and say, I might be on par with them uh, in this, in these respects, you know, that's, that's a good confidence boost. That's a good, you know, healthy thing to do. I think compare yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So just don't read point. what they wrote, right? I mean, that's maybe a good, <laughs> a good tip there is, and or don't read you know the comments that people make because that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's where I get into trouble. Is I read what they wrote and they're talking about how, oh, here I was, you know, it's a that's the way a lot of Instagram photos read. You know, you read their thing and like, well, here I was in Bali and um, you know I went and made these photos <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, you know, I never have these opportunities. <laughs> so just look at the photo and say, hey, how would I do with that sunset? How have yeah. I done with similar sunsets is a good activity, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I hate to sound, you know, practical and proactive, but we also have to remember you got to make those opportunities too. Yes. So so yeah. maybe maybe what you do need to do is take a weekend and do something just strictly photographic. Maybe you do need to go to Bali. Maybe our <laughs> listeners need to send us to Bali. To Bali. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere warm and tropical. Anywhere warm, right tropical. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As we say this in cold February in the Pacific Northwest. Got moss <clears> growing <throat> on everything. <laughs> yeah. My point being, there are ways out of it. There's, it's, it's so important not to just get out of the house mm-hmm. and go take pictures, but sometimes get out of your own head yeah. and go take pictures. Yeah. That's what I run into a lot. I agree. I agree. I think that getting your expectations in line and boosting up, getting your confidence boosted up enough that you get your camera in your hands and head out the door and try to make great photos is, is the best way to combat imposter syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) Make, make more photos. Absolutely. All right, buddy. It's always good talking with you. This felt like a very nice therapeutic time. Hopefully people enjoyed it. (laughs) Yes. We've, we've solved imposter syndrome. Yes. Yay. (laughs) Now that makes me feel like an imposter. So if you've been listening to this episode, and we've mentioned a lot of great episodes that we've had, we've had some wonderful guests, Julianne Koss, Joe McNally, uh, Scott Kelby, I think of several others that we've had, Pete Souza, that were really inspirational. Um, you can always find these episodes on our website, which is photocombobulate.com. And there's an episodes page. You can listen to those episodes, read the show notes and all of that there. And there's also a place for you to put your comments for us, ideas for shows and things like that. So as we look into the new year, uh, we're doing these ep- these episodes about once a month. And we are definitely interested in answering questions or diving into topics that people are curious about. And we certainly would appreciate feedback on the show. And uh, make sure you get on to... Whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and rate and make comments because that helps the algorithms get these shows out to other people. And we appreciate it. We appreciate it so much. It helps us fight our imposter syndrome when people appreciate us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, if, if you are also running into this sort of thing or maybe maybe you have the answer, which is, oh, yeah, every time I get imposter syndrome, I go have an egg sandwich and a root beer and I'm great. <laughs> like maybe that's it. <laughs> let us know in the comments. <laughs> we would love to hear. Uh, and you know, honestly, um, if you have any, any photos that you want to share, we want to see those too. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. See you next time. The egg sandwich. Oh. Who makes, who eats egg sandwiches? <laughs>
<laughs> that was weird. <laughs> <laughs>